Welcome back, everybody. Reality Check Chat. Here we are. I'm Barbara Scott. And I'm Judy Herschel. And I'm Liz Kearney. And we decided today that we were going to talk about unions. And so I uh, have here books I've been researching. Um, I was telling Judy and Liz that I had just gotten a new hardback edition of Howard Zinn's A People's History of the United States. If you don't have a copy, this should be in everybody's library, in, in my view. Um, it's a great book and it's a history. And, you know, of course it has histories of unions and stuff. Then I'm also reading for our book group, uh, The Truths We Hold by Kamala Harris. And I found, I came across some information in there that I thought was interesting to share. Mm -hmm. Not to mention, I've got some notes here. Mm -hmm. So this should be a good, this should be a good thing. And unfortunately, I wanted to just say how sorry I am that this country seems to be targeting Asian Americans. And um, last night, Eight, eight women were killed, six of them Asian Americans. And today the Congress passed a resolution against hate of Asian Americans for the so-called Chinese virus that our former president pushed. And our Congressman, Congressman Keller did not vote for it. It happened today, so I'm not sure. I'm, uh, I'm gonna find out what his reasoning is, if he has any, which I doubt. Let's talk about that next time so that we could, you know, educate people on that, because I can't imagine why he would vote no. But let's look into that. Let's see what it entails. But I, I can't imagine that. Well, he did. But, yeah, I, I, I can imagine that he did it because yeah. he's voted no on a lot of things. He should have voted yes. It, was, it wasn't all the Republicans that voted no. It was 164, I believe John said, which sounds like the same number that signed on to that Texas lawsuit. I don't know if it's the same Congress people, but, oh, yeah. you know, it's a number that's very close to that, which made me think, oh, okay, this is a group. Was All right. It, was the resolution introduced by Democrats? And it was just on principle, he wouldn't vote for any Democrat. It was, it was a woman who's Asian American, a New York Congresswoman. Okay. Okay. But let's research that and let's talk a little bit about that the next time, because that's important, because there is a lot of hate and there's a lot of hate crimes going on and, and people well, are lashing out and, and but when people say these kinds of things yes mm -hmm. you know it's it, it, and when it's spread by by elected officials such as trump exactly. who it. people in power people at the bully pulpit people with you know exactly. okay we'll, we'll talk about it another and, and you know what how many times has, has that happened over over time and you know you look at it this way what we're talking about today it's important that we're talking about this. We, we need to talk about our history. You know, that book that you mentioned in the beginning, we, we probably all need to read that. We need to be familiar with the struggles of the past and how we got here and not repeat the same mistakes. But unions, I think, are a very good example of that. You know, unions have done, done amazing things for, for our country. And I think they're getting a bad rap right now. I think it's all politically based. Unfortunately, with all the misinformation going out there, I'm fearful if people aren't familiar with how unions have really put positive things in our in our culture that unions may be on their way out and i think that would be very dangerous they've been very violent uh, from on their side as well and it seems to me there's always been the same struggle that we're struggling with today from reading these early accounts the the earliest i came across was 1823 i think mm -hmm. of striking it's the same kind of class struggle you know, we talk about the 1% versus the 99%. Mm -hmm. 
And these are all talking about the same kind of employer, rich, well-to-do early in the early days versus the workers. The earliest case, I think they were striking for a 10-hour day. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. So that tells you- from 12 or more. 13, more. God. There was some that were 13 hours a day. Mm-hmm. And of course, some of these were children. Yes. And that didn't come till later that they got rid of that. I think that Much wasn't later. until the, what, the 20s, the 30s? Maybe a little earlier than that, late 19th century, but not yeah. this time, of course. In fact, they uh, there was a, a Lowell, Massachusetts mill well, the de- Lowell, Massachusetts was started as a mill town. I mean, that's what they did. And, and the women were the ones that worked in the textile mills. And they thought it'd be a great idea to have the girls who were, one of whom was 11, who told the story about striking. The girls would be housed in these boarding house or whatever. And, and then they'd get them up at 4 a.m. And then they'd work until 7 p.m. How many hours is that? Two. 13? No, 15. And then they give them gravy and bread for dinner. Mm -hmm. Probably paid them nothing. 1938, it ended. Child labor ended in America in 1938, which really was not that long ago. I'm amazed. Yeah, I remember my grandfather, who was born in 1910, went to work when he was about 13. So I knew it was in, I knew it was in the 20s, just from his his stories. His dad died, and he had to go to work very young. Yeah. Wow. June 25th, 1938, they passed the Fair Labor Standards Law or Act. That would have been Roosevelt, right? Yeah, it must have been. Yep. Children under under 18. Mm -hmm. Wow. And thank God. Thank God they they did that. That was one of many, many, many things that they've done. And to me, it's horrifying that, you know, and the struggle to unionize and, and these unions, they fought for very basic human decency like you said a a 12-hour day originally and no children Mm -hmm. but people were fired at and killed by our own american troops at these people who were struggling you know for the right to unionize Mm -hmm. and that was so you know anathema to the 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 moneyed class that the people would dare to ask for anything basic like basic human decency a lot of times the striking was for because wages were cut yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. In one case, and they didn't, you know, generally sometimes, but most of the time they didn't win. Mm-hmm. When they did win in the early days, the 1820s, 1830s, they had contracts with the employers that went around the rules that they just won fighting. So yeah. indiv- individual contracts. Mm-hmm. So which kind of, you know, negates the reason, you know, for the, for the strike, the getting together, the union, they didn't call them unions, but being together to, to fight for something. And in one case they were fighting, the employers insisted that they attend church, they find them for being late. And um, I forget the third thing, but I liked that one about they had to attend church. <laughs> that was one of the requirements that the employer had mm-hmm. of the employee. My family's parents are from West Virginia. And there are stories, you know, in the mines. Yeah. Uh, my mother's best friend grew up in a little mining town, and she had an, an old ch- a, a chit from the company store. Mm-hmm. So you had to you had trade in the company store. You know, they're ex- exaggerated prices. You know, so where else are you going to go in these small towns? I mean, it's, it's had you coming and going. And then, and then for people to rise up against that and be shot at, you know, <laughs> it's just appalling. And then people today complain about the excesses of unions. 
And my argument is that in response to excess, it's human nature, you know, there's an excess is going to happen on the other side too. Yeah, there needs to be a balance. Until we come to balance, yeah. that's still going to happen. Do. You're right. They pick at the things that are wrong with unions because, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's difficult at times and I get it. But if you don't have that balance, could you imagine what it would be like? It would be like what it was like a hundred years ago. You know, you right. think of all these these stories with these factories, with the women with the with the long dresses, you know, catching fire or being caught in sewing machines. There was no safety back then. Mm-hmm. We can think OSHA. What was it? The OSHA, the Occupational Safety and Health Act on unions. Really, it all was these things that we have the safety protocols that we do. And none of these things came about out of, the, out of you know the kindness of management's heart. This is these are all fought for. Like a weekend, I saw a bump sticker on my truck. It said the weekend, the union, the folks who brought you the weekend. Yes, you know right. those. That's new too. Right. And by fighting for it, meant the opposing side fought to make sure that those things weren't put in place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, that's often common when you're dealing with big business. If you don't have that leverage and that ability to balance it. History, history proves it. Right. I'm just curious too. Now today, like even people who, who are not, you know, management or owners or or factories, working people are anti-union. And where does that come from? What is that about? Yeah. I I think it's this campaign that has been put out for years on unions are bad. Unions are bad. You know, you still have to pay for a union, even though you're not part of a union, you know, the whole collective bargaining thing and all of that stuff. You know, it's, it's this campaign that they've been pushing for, for a while now, unfortunately. And, and people, especially in our area and other rural areas believe it. Mm -hmm. And they stop to forget that even though they've never been in a union, they benefit from unions Right. In a very direct way. Right. I think that once, when you come to a job where you're, like I said in some, in the previous podcast, I think when we're that, you know, at first I was like, what? I have to pay dues, even though I don't want to be in the union. And I think the reason is because we didn't really know. I didn't really know what the importance of unions was. You, you just saw the bad stuff because you just hear about the bad stuff. Um, until you're in a union, until you're being discriminated against, and you have a union leader that, you know, becomes your best friend, and you're with that union leader for a number of meetings, then you really know, wow, you know, this is what my dues are paying for, you know, and, and rightly so. You need protections on our jobs. And yes, it does protect people sometimes that shouldn't be protected. You know, in my case, it protects our union protects in in my view teachers that are no good mm-hmm. you know yeah and that does happen and so there there is there are those problems yeah it's not a perfect yeah, sure. system by any means mm-hmm. i think anybody could admit that but without them it would be severely worse why without- do i have health insurance why do i have a retirement plan why why do i have why do you have yeah why do you have your weekend off right why were there fire doors in your school right (laughs) why why do you get a break for lunch i did have a principal who locked them she put a chain around the fire doors where the teachers went out and smoked on their breaks Mm -hmm. so they couldn't get out seriously yeah yeah that's crazy you know i have an anecdote from the town i used to live in it involved the nurses in this small hospital. And I was living in this town and someone tried to start a union drive for the hospital nurses. 
and I went to the meeting just to see what, as I was working for, for the newspaper, I went to the meeting and a bunch of people raised their hand and said, you know, I love my boss. Why do I need a union? Yeah. And people said, well, one day you may not have that great boss. Right. We're a family, we're a community. Why do we need a union? And then fast forward about 15 years, right before I left the paper, there was this pattern of, it seemed like the management was firing the long-term old school nurses who'd been there a long time and replacing them with um, younger, cheaper help. And in some places replacing an RN with a medical assistant. Right. You know, they're the person that just takes your blood pressure and writes down your chart. No, 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 chart, they just do the real basic stuff. And they, they, one gal said, I wish we'd gotten that union back then. Right. They would have had a way, because people were losing the nurses that they'd worked with and loved forever with younger people who, who were paid less. Right. And they right. were thinking, you know what? A union would have protected us from this sort of thing. That's right. Yeah, you know? Yeah. yeah. That was interesting. Uh, sad. Yeah. I lost the nurse I loved. I'm like, where's Mary? Well, she was, wasn't there anymore, you know? no good reason because she was old older right right very seldom in business is it really a family you know you 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 do get close to people you work with but really when it comes to business you are replaceable it's it's about money Mm -hmm. it's just the way that it is we don't like it we don't we don't like it but that's unfortunately why we need to do what we can to keep unions for sure so some of the things that i thought were interesting that unions are responsible for public education for children, unions, laws ending sweatshops, which we we knew, privacy acts, pregnancy and parental leave, military leave, employer dental life and vision, holiday pay, sexual harassment laws, Americans with disabilities, compensation increases and evaluations, veterans employment and training services, employee polygraph protection act, things you wouldn't think of, the whistleblower um, laws, wrongful termination laws, age discrimination, Workplace safety standards, we talked about pensions, unemployment insurance, the 40-hour work week, child labor laws, overtime pay, Civil Rights Act, minimum wage, Social Security, all those things. Unions. Why did you say Social Security? That's on the list of Social Security. Probably the the withdrawal from Social Security out of your check, that that was part of that that whole process. I think unions fought for that, too. Okay, probably. So- Yes, I was interested in reading uh, Kamala Harris's book, The Truth to Behold. She talks about Dr. Martin Luther King going to where he was assassinated because he went there to support the sanitation union. And she talks about who who were black in Memphis, basically. I guess all of them were black. And she says, uh, this is in 1968, and she says, in their fight for basic decency, because day in and day out, these workers rode the trucks that hauled away the city's garbage. The city didn't provide uniforms. Instead, workers were forced to befoul their own clothes on the job. They worked long hours without water to drink or a place to wash their hands. Most of the tubs had holes in them, one sanitation worker recounted, garbage leaking all over you. He described how when the workers got home in the evening, they'd remove their shoes and clothes at the door and maggots would fall out. For this hard, indispensable work, they received little more than minimum wage. They didn't get overtime pay. They had no sick leave. If they were injured at work and needed time to mend, as happened often, they were likely to be fired. And if bad weather made trash collection impossible, they were sent home without pay. Many needed government assistance to feed their families. Wow. Yeah, that's sanitation workers in 1968. Uh, it's interesting. I, I marked the same pa- uh, close by passage in um, the same book about oh, really? 
uh, Martin Luther King Jr. sending a, a telegram to Cesar Chavez. He basically wrote that um, the battle for equality must be fought in the urban slums, in the sweatshops of the factories and fields. And he goes, our separate struggles are really one, a struggle for freedom, for dignity, and for humanity. So I would argue union rights are civil rights. Exactly. And that in reading over and over again from the history in the United States onward, that's the kind of thing I discovered, civil rights and the class thing. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Getting protections because the, those in power are not willing to do it on their own. They're not gracious. <laughs> they only want the profit. And in this day and age, it's even getting worse because the unions are being befouled, to use Kamala's words, by our politicians. So-called right to work, which means anti-union, but they don't want to say that for some reason. Mm-hmm. States are making it seem like it's for the workers, but they're being what bamboozled as far as yeah. I'm concerned. Um, not that everybody needs a union, should necessarily need a union. There are workers maybe that don't, but certainly we have too few now. And we had, we had so many people that had the protections of unions that no longer do. Mm-hmm. Like okay. I was reading the, uh, I didn't finish it, but there's an article recently in the New York Times about Amazon from a few years ago uh, because of their fight now in, uh, it's not a fight really, it's a vote and who knows who's going to win uh, Alabama. But they were using some of the same tactics that I read about from you know, the 30s of intimidation of the leaders or or the 19th century where this 11 year old led her her workers from the factory in Lowell, Massachusetts on strike in support of the older workers who were probably 15. I mean, I don't know. And her mother was um, lost her job as the matron in a boarding house after the strike because her daughter struck. She didn't have anything to do with the strike. So she lost her. So the power of the employers was and is egregious. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it still is. I remember probably about 20 years ago, Eric and I were first dating and um, he worked at a job and they tried to unionize and um, around that time he got injured on the job and was out Um, it was a job related injury and before they went to vote to decide because the the staff were going to he was laid off never to return so they squashed it the employer squashed and that was only 15 20 years ago probably closer to 20. And his um, OSHA and being you know being reimbursed when you're injured on the job that's another union benefit. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Some of the things that I hear that are very anti-union where they try to get people, you know, against the union is, do you want to, you want other people to make the same that you do when you work harder than them? You know, there's this big, oh, fairness part of it. You know, they're going to, your coworker is going to get paid the same as you. You're not going to be able to get ahead of everybody else if you have a union. That's not true. What does that mean? It's not, no, it's not true. It's not, but people believe it. Mm-hmm. It's just like it's your fault if you're sick, you mean? Exactly. Yeah. Like you got to speak for everybody. You know, it should be just just about you, just about your performance, just just about how you're doing. Mm-hmm. Why would you pay to have somebody fight for everybody? You're, you're a hard work. You're a hard worker. You should earn your own your own keep. You're right. They're fearful of the power behind it, but there, there's always a, a righteous fight behind it. And, and I think that's what people need to pay attention to. But I don't know if they, they teach us in school, do they really? 
you know, you don't hear a whole lot. My kids don't know what a union is. I, I told them, but they don't know what a union is. There's zero labor history in any oh. curriculum anywhere. No. Oh. Right. And I think a lot of it too, why people are, is they just, I'm not excusing it, but they just don't, don't know. Yeah. They don't know their, their history. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And people die for your right to a two day, to a two day weekend. You know, and we take it for granted now. This is, we expect that. Exactly. What do you mean no, no two days off? That's, that's not right. But that's because of unions. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so business and politics is not fair. It's not. It's cutthroat unless you have a balance in there. Right. Unions is a good balance. Another strange point to bring up. When I was Googling the question about labor unions, labor history, are unions good? A lot, a lot of negative stuff about unions came up, you know, that very high in that ranking. Yes. And I'm not sure if that's because that's where people are clicking on or is Google ranking that because they're personally anti-union as well? Every- yeah, I pay attention to that stuff. There's, uh-huh. there's ways that they can put it at the top. So and I noticed that the way things rank. Is, that's not an accident how the rankings occur. It's not an like, accident, I, no. Yeah, I, I saw things like, like is that unions are, are bad and they suppress the employer's right to do what they want to do. And I Googled one, the H, here's one, um, one article high up was on the HR exchange. It's pretty high in the ranking, says pros and cons of labor unions. And the first sentence, it goes without saying labor unions are controversial, at least in the United States. What's controversial about a labor union, you know? Well, <laughs> this is I'm, crazy. <laughs> I'm on another page that says that they're responsible for layoffs and bankrupt, bankruptcy of businesses. That's the, they're in the top five. They're two of the uh-huh, top five uh-huh. regions that are given mm-hmm. as to why unions shouldn't be around anymore. Yeah, and opponents say unions are too restrictive and hurt working class employees. Yeah. That they cause inflation and they act as a monopoly. <laughs> Most yeah. of the time, and I'm not saying this to sound mean, but a lot of people don't know what inflation is. A lot of people don't know what a monopoly is. Mm-hmm. But if you have a politician standing up there saying unions are bad, they cause inflation and monopolies, people are just going to be like, okay, my they're saying this, it must be bad then. And if they're the louder one at the time, that's what people listen to. But people don't know what those things are. People just don't, don't know. They're not educated. That's why we got doing what we're doing. These these days, the people that really need unions are many uh, black and brown workers. And I think we can't escape the reality of that. Uh -uh. Those that work in fast food chains, for example, it's similar tactics to keep them from going to a better job. Yeah. I mean, you're Walmart. talking about somebody saying that the unions are going to prevent me from getting a better job. When in this case, you read about people that can't get higher up because they're in it together saying, oh, you worked at McDonald's. You can't, you can't come here and get a managerial job or whatever. Mm-hmm. And giving them part-time assignments rather than so they don't have to pay the benefits and and an inconsistent schedule that was the other thing i saw on the afl-cio website they fight you know for consistent hours mm-hmm. and dignity because you, you, can, you can't plan your life around hours that float around if, if all over the place mm-hmm. yeah. right i wanted to give a shout out to Frances wright who i've never heard of have either of you heard of her she was an early 19th century uh feminist and utopian socialist i love that I mean, if you ever read Susan Sontag's America, I don't know if you've read that, a great book, but I, I recommended it to the book group. They hated it. Anyway, 
I thought it was great with the utopian. And that's where I learned about utopian socialists. But she was invited by the Philadelphia working men for a July 4th, 1829 celebration because they were striking. It was a citywide association of labor unions in the U.S. that invited her. This is 1829. And they were fighting uh, laws against working men and children, like lien laws, which benefited the landlords against uh, the tenants. They, they wanted to strike. They thought striking was the way to go rather than contracting. They didn't think the contracts, they didn't want any contracts. They, they thought striking was the way to get their, their views across and how they got things. And I'm not sure why, but I just saw that uh, early on they were against um, contracts for some reason. You were right, Barb. Amazon, the, the 6,000 workers have until the 29th. What I was reading was the ways that Amazon is trying to squash it and make sure it doesn't happen, but they have until the 29th to, to do the official vote. So what are some of the ways? A few years ago, they actually fired the guy that was trying to get the workers to be interested in the union. You know, he was organizing and they fired him. That was in 2015, I believe. So now maybe with all the floodlights on them for what's going on, mm-hmm. they'll be a little bit more secretive about what they're doing to... Yeah, they're under the microscope right now. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, although I have heard from some people that don't want the union because, I don't know, things are okay the way they are or some crap. Maybe they are now. That reminds me of um, one of my favorite political public people is Michael Moore. Yeah. He was controversial. He equates the end of unions with when Reagan broke the air traffic control was union. Was it early 1980 or 81? And Moore says if the entire union world had walked out in support of them at that time, it would have been a major, it would have been a a major turn in American history. Yeah. Because we didn't, no one did that. And Reagan got away with it. So that was the beginning of the end for American unions. I remember being shocked and thinking, this is never going to work. He, this, they're not never going to allow him to do this, to mm-hmm. like completely break this union. You right. know, it was shocking. It was shocking. And not only that, because everybody was frightened that the fill-ins, you know, the strike oh, yeah. wouldn't know what the heck they were doing. And they're, bringing planes in, you know, they're landing planes and have them take off and all this stuff. And I don't know, it seemed to not kill people, but I don't know how, but uh, yeah, that was really bad. And I, I think Michael Moore might be right on that. I know. That's another thing about scab workers. I don't know where, I don't know where my radicalism came from. You know, you don't scab, you don't cross picket lines. You don't, you don't go to work. You don't, you don't scab. This is no, you don't do that. Right. Right. The article I was reading um, was talking about how it's nearly impossible to unionize a big corporation like that. And it gave examples of ones that were successful, but it talked about how and why it's not successful. And a big part of that is that internal campaign that the company does to their employees to convince them not to join. And it's all the things that we were talking about earlier. And because they tell them these things personally and they have access to the employees, it's usually pretty effective, Mm -hmm. unfortunately. And the unions don't have that time to speak to them and to talk to them and to, you know, but, but sometimes it it works and some are hopeful that the vote will be a positive one on the 29th, but I think they're under the microscope. You're right, Barb. And and I think they may, they may, I think they're getting a lot of pressure. 
I saw a story once in recent history, recent memory. I believe it was an auto, a new, an auto plant, perhaps in the southeast. And I can't remember which one it was, but they didn't want to. They didn't want to have a union. So to prevent unions happening, they provided good pay and good benefits to prevent unionization. Nissan. I remember seeing that. Yeah. It was one of, they gave them an example of, of how that company really, really had this campaign to, to and that was one of the things they did. It was, it was Nissan. I remember thinking, well, if they're trying not to unionize and they're playing, they're paying good benefits and all to, I mean, well, maybe that's a good thing. You know what yeah. I mean? I yeah. Gotta, I, gotta, well, I, gotta I was going to say that before. If the companies, you know, provided things for the employees that they needed. Yeah. And, and which a lot of white collar workers get without a union, we have to realize, mm -hmm. you know, because they can go from job to job, they can go and look for another job, if this one doesn't give them lawyers, for example, this one doesn't give them maternity leave, eh, or enough of it, let me look at another law firm, you know, mm -hmm. whereas workers like for Amazon, they don't have that luxury, because that's one of the main employers in Alabama, for example, I'm sure they've got, I don't know how many thousands of employees mm -hmm. and, you know, it's hard to get another job that's reliable. And, and, mm -hmm. and so there's a difference in, in workers. I thought we might talk about what we think automation, how's that going to affect, how are robots and automation, do you think going to be affecting uh, workers' rights in this country? It seems to me that that might be even worse than attack on the unions in some ways. I think life will completely change in the next 30 to 50 years. I think my boys will see a totally different world. I do. I think it'll start off with more and more people working from home, more and more restaurants and things like that becoming automated. I think restaurants will, automated. Yeah, I do. I think that it, it, it will replace love, a lot of started with McDonald's, like let's the McDonald's. Talk about oh, the automat. Oh, the automats. Yeah. Let's bring back the automats. I love I love those things. Let me see what piece of pie do I want? What exactly. piece of pie do I want? Let me look in the little door, you know, what sandwich? Exactly. I love those things. I was watching, really cool. It is cool. I was watching a show about a year ago where they said the way technology is going right now, where are we going to be by 2035, 2040. And they said that we'll have the technology by then that everyone, every family will have their own three 3D printer. You could print your pills, your clothes, everything from that 3D printer. Hmm. So I don't know. I think, how are we going to keep up with it? How are we going to re retrain employees and people and in, in, in different positions? What's going to be replaced? Where will unions, unions fit in that? Will yeah. there be a job for everyone? This will bring us back will to the gang and the universal basic yeah. income. It goes back to that, you know? Are our kids getting the appropriate education for that life, you know, 20 years from now? Well, they're always going to be artists. That's not going to be automated. Now, yeah, that'll never go away. But I think a lot yeah. of the jobs will be computerized or internet-based and more people will work from home. And they say truck, trucking, trucks could be self-driving soon, which is yeah. completely terrifying. Well, I think drones will take the place of a lot of delivery services. I think that will happen. That's already not starting, but... It's on the cusp of starting. They, they always talk about replacing teachers, and I'm not sure how exactly it will work because 
if we replace teachers and we don't have schools, we'd have to figure out some kind of childcare uh, situation that allowed people to work. I mean, because even if you work at home, you can't be taking care of your child and, and working at home exclusively. Mm. I mean, that would be hard. Unless you have a nanny that's a robot. <laughs> don't think I'm too uh, crazy. Who, who knows? Right. Maybe robots will get to a point with where nipples, there's with nipples with milk. not with nipples, but <laughs> hey, you can you can print that out of your 3D printer. Well, <laughs> jobs is, ro- is robot repair people. That's where our jobs will be. All right. Yeah, maybe there'll be more leisure time. Who knows? But I think it will be totally different. I don't know. I guess we're gonna have to take it kind of as it comes and adjust. I like my Roomba. <laughs> I want a Roomba. I want a Roomba so bad. I just want one for the cat to ride. If the cat won't <laughs> ride it, I'm not interested. I just don't want to vacuum ever again. <laughs> right. And can they invent something that does your, does your laundry for you? Full day. That's coming. Well, I've even seen the idea. Oh, Eric, I'm going to unionize. I'm going to go on strike. They told the boys. Oh, I saw an article in, in The Economist. I used to subscribe to The Economist for some reason. Uh-huh. The idea that all these this technology and all these innovations, this American innovation frees us up to all be entre- entrepreneurs. It gives us, you know, like we're not working in manufacturing, so it frees us up to be bigger, better, more for doing other things. I mean, yeah. where does that go? Where does that stop? And then- well, that's The Economist. But if you, sure. if you read it something else, it could free us up to be intellectuals it could free us up to figure out why we're here yeah why yeah. we exist right? why we exist what's what's pure enjoyment you know what's all that it allows us to use parts of our brain maybe that we haven't used in a while exactly put yourself back right now a hundred years ago where we were as women you know where we were as a country would they have ever imagined we would be where we are right now doing what we're doing doing what we're doing right now seeing each other on a computer you know no we can't imagine what that's going to be like but hopefully it's hopefully it's better so put us today 100 years from today a forward right yeah 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 i'd like to see the history books what they have for the 45th president (laughs) in this period of time that we're living He's that we're very the, much part of. My guess is he's still the worst one. I think they'll ring. Uh, the fingers, fingers crossed. Uh, we never elect anybody else like that. If, the, if, oh, they, if, if they can go lower, if anyone can go lower, I don't want to know about it. Good Lord. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Knock on wood, right? How many times have we said could it get worse? It probably right. could. I would right. hate to. Good grief. Good grief. Exactly. Who, who's that lives. fox? Oh. Who's that guy that has a fox program? Oh, God. Car- Carlson, Senator Carlson. Oh, good grief! I'm fearful he's going to come forward and come into go into politics. He scares me. Yeah, there is. I I did read that that would be a possibility. Yeah, he's he scares me. Running for what? But I don't know. But I think he's worse than Trump. Yeah, because he's actually very intelligent and he he oh. speaks very well. I don't agree with him. He makes me want to throw up. Mm-hmm but I've never seen him. I did see a a funny thing on Twitter. I guess he has this kind of perplexed look he makes on screen sometimes. Twitter wag said he makes a face like um, like a dog trying to figure out a magic trick. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Made me laugh. He made a comment about transgender people and women being in the armed forces and how he fearful he was that our armed forces would become too feminine and what that would look like to the rest of the world. I said this like two nights ago. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, I heard about that. I didn't see yes. that. 
Yes. I don't know. Let's, let's go. Let's make them more feminine. Amy, Amy McGrath challenged him. He said, bring it, boys. He says, bring it. I'll, I'll challenge you. She, she went, For real. Listen, I'm around sheriffs and correctional officers and state policemen all the time. And there are women there that I would have protect me over all the men any day, any day. So we yeah. don't have to be, we don't have to become masculine. No. Be, you know, women don't have to become masculine in order to be protective or to be part of the yes. services or whatever. Right. Women are women. And that's what he doesn't get this Tucker Carlson, whoever he is. No. Because feminizing our military is not a negative thing, in my view. Exactly. 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 And I think he used the word femi um, feminize. I think that was the actual word that he used. Mm -hmm. But what's wrong with that? Women can shoot guns. Women can be strong. Women can be athletic. Women can be quick in their in their thought. They're passing a successful soldier right there. Right there. They are, they are gritty, they're hard, they're, they, they can handle things. Some of the things we women go through, you know, every day, we're tough as nails. So this, this idea that being feminine is, is, a, is a weakness, I think we're pretty damn tough. And I think there's a phrase is always a joke of testosterone poisoning. Things get over testosterone, dumb stuff happens. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. what Rand Paul was questioning Dr. Levine and, uh, attacking her really in her confirmation hearing evidently Ugh. yeah asking and comparing transgender health care to gender what do they call it mutilation not gender mutilation but you mean like female circumcision yeah comparing those two and, and asking her if, anyway just he was comparing those two things yeah yeah that's another whole other podcast whatever happened to compassion <laughs> Real. Compassion well, for the people. Somebody said in the Congress, this was somebody in the Congress that said he's so mean. Yeah. You know? So it's almost you don't have to have compassion, but it's just don't be mean. Don't don't be mean. mean. Yeah. Be mean. Get to know people. Get to know people that aren't like you and don't they look like want you. To be, they think they equate power with nastiness, power with meanness, degrading power with degrading my opponent. Yeah. You know, instead of having a philosophy that I can stand behind, that I really think is I'm living my life by these terms. No, I've got to make the other person look bad, feel bad, be bad. What happened to these people when they were younger? I mean, what happened to make him like that? They were bullies. I'm starting to think they learned it at Harvard because almost all of them went to Harvard, <laughs> including Tucker Carlson, I believe. I believe he did. I believe he did. All right, ladies. We've done our bit. Wrapped it up. Good, good pod tonight. We're, I, we're... I thought I had nothing to say tonight. They're like, oh, you know, already. We're glad everybody joined us. And next week we have a lot to follow up on, don't we? Um, and I'm just gonna say that in 1835, 50 mm -hmm. trades unioners organized in Philadelphia, and there was a successful general strike of laborers, factory workers, bookbinders, jewelers, coal heavers, butchers, cabinet workers for the 10-hour day. Ooh, wow. And they got it in 1835, which I don't understand because later I read about a 13-hour day that was later. So that wasn't in Philadelphia, I guess they got it. So it was a step. Power yeah. to the people. Power to the people. And eventually it became eight hours. That's right. I don't know that year, but yeah, we'll figure it out. All right. Great to see you. And you I'll too. See you soon. Great. Great. Have a good night, guys.
Here we are, realitycheckchat.com. If you want to contact us, we'd love to hear from you. Anything to say, Judy and Liz? Subscribe to our podcast at realitycheckchat.com. Right. Soon, maybe Spotify. We're working on that. Yay. We're working on that. With a minor. Okay. Let's hope he comes through for us. (laughs) Yes. We've hired the 13-year-old son. He says he can do it, and I'm hopeful. Okay. <laughs> not child labor, however. No, no, it's not child labor. I am paying them though. <laughs> Good. All right. Well, this is great. Thanks, you guys. Okay. Bye. 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 Bye.